It's coming up Easter next weekend and it's a wonderful time with family and friends and celebrating Easter and Easter eggs, of course. Now, there's only two companies in, here in Australia and, of course, it's Daryl Lee is an Australian company and you can buy Daryl Lee in the newsagents and Woolworths where I bought this last night. So if you want to get Easter eggs that is not halal certification, I recommend Daryl Lee or Lint. They're the only two companies that I know who are not halal certified. But I'll be happy to be proven wrong. If you can find me another company that makes Easter eggs and it's not halal certified, please let me know through my Facebook page. Anyway, to everyone out there, it's, um, it's going to be a great time. Don't eat too much chocolate. Have a wonderful time. Happy Easter. Is it on? Look, I'm going to shirt front, Mr Putin. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, it, it is on? Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am. I don't like it. Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate. Well, may we say God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast, Is It On? It is the Easter edition. And thank you to Pauline Hansen for that tip on where to get uh, Easter eggs that are definitely not halal certified this holiday season. It is Thursday, the 29th of March. My name is Alice Workman. I'm coming to you from inside the BuzzFeed offices in Parliament House. And joining me from Sydney is Lane Sainty. Hello, Lane. Hey, Alice. How are you going? Oh, my God, Lane. Could you care less about this cricketing cheating scandal? Alice, I know you could not possibly <laughs> care any less about the cricket scandal. Zero shits, Lane. Absolutely zero shits. Except like the one thing that annoys me is mm. whenever someone talks about cricket, I get reminded how much money these overprivileged people get paid and also that there is a absolutely disgusting theory that the either most important or second most important job in Australia is the captain of the Australian cricket team, I, I, which I completely reject and I do not like. And, and you know, it's really like, <laughs> actually, I don't yeah. have any opinions about it. It's really gendered, a lot of the conversation about this. It's all men being yeah. like, oh, my father was so upset that I never fulfilled my, like his dream of being on the Australian cricket team. Or, you know, I was watching a reporter interviewing a man about the cricket and that literally... The cricket commentator said to her, oh, well, your husband would understand. He's a really big cricket fan. Oh, because she couldn't be a cricket fan because she's a woman and she couldn't understand. My God. <laughs> Alice, I love how you're like, I, I do not care about the cricket. <laughs> Five seconds later. <laughs> I care immensely about many different facets of the cricket. <laughs> Anyway, um, I don't care. But the, the scandal has permeated Parliament House this week a, a bit, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Watching Malcolm Turnbull and Bill Shorten pretend they understand cricket has been absolutely fascinating. It's been such fun because just like how I hate uh, musicians and artists weighing into politics, I hate politicians weighing into sport or music and art. So um, I think that they should be asked <laughs> right. – they should be a litmus test. So you should have to give um, – you should be able to name – you know, just like, you know, if you're really into politics, you should be able to name a couple of backbenchers. They should be able to name, you know, whoever's at the bottom of the batting order or like Don Bradman's batting average before they're allowed to give an opinion about the cricket. But every single person has been asked their opinion. What's your opinion about the cricket? Who cares? <laughs> and Alice, my, my favourite incursion of um, 
the politicians into the cricket scandal this week was the One Nation Senate motion <laughs> that was, the, and, and I'm quoting now, the need to understand why some politicians and professional sportsmen feel the need to cheat. Yes. Well, Tony Abbott always said that we why shouldn't mix sport this? and politics. And he was yeah. absolutely right. He was right. Mm. And so, mm. you know, obviously uh, they dumped company tax cuts this week, so there was nothing for the Senate to do. So One Nation put up this ridiculous motion, but it led to my favourite moment of the week. Um, yeah. Take a listen. This is Liberal Senator, Liberal backbencher, Jane Hume. But Victorian Labor are worse because unlike the Australian cricket team, Daniel Andrews actually won. He got away with it. He got away with it. Victory at all costs. These are the people who are governing Victoria. They have no morals, they have no principles, they have no remorse, and they have no shame. No shame. You have been caught ball tampering. You have been caught ball tampering. Uh, sorry, Senator, Senator Hume. You have been caught ball tampering. <laughs> Not enough references to balls in the Senate, I think. Uh, I think there's plenty of references to. <laughs> I think there's more than enough, even if there are only a couple <laughs> at any given time. So this week's yep. podcast is going, other than that, we're done with the cricket now. We've given it a good two minutes. This is yep. going to be a cricket-free zone. There will be no cricket, but Lane, there'll be heaps of spin. <laughs> Got to watch out for the spin, Lane. All right. All right, Alice. Uh, <laughs> that was the, that was quite a, a good um Puns. Joke. Aren't they great? <laughs> yeah, it was good. So, Alice, it's time for the two minutes of fun. Are you ready? Yes. All right, your time starts now. The government has lost its 29th news poll in a row. Company tax cuts have been shelved until May because the government had two votes shy of the 39 votes they need to pass the bill. Tim Storer and Darren Hinch are the holdouts. A leaked copy of a letter sent to senators by the Business Council of Australia has contradicted claims that they would commit to increasing wages if they get a tax cut. Jed Carney was sworn in as the Labor member for Batman. Christina Keneally gave her first speech as the Labor New South Wales senator and joked that with her in the New South Wales Labor team, it is 75% female and 50% very strange accents. Order. Senator Williams on a point of order. Look, I'm trying to hear the minister, and I've got this Scottish echo on my left ear. Could you keep keeping quiet, please, Mr. President? Senator Cameron, I will, I will ask you to be quiet. You have been vocal this afternoon. We missed you on Monday, last week. Last week. Are you rising on the point of order, Senator Cameron? Point of order. How did he know it was me? He has telepathic powers. A ruling on ACT Labor Senator Katie Gallagher's dual citizenship is expected after Easter and could spark up to four by-elections of politicians in similar circumstances, including Labor's Susan Lamb in Queensland, Labor's Justin Key in Tasmania, Labor's Josh Wilson in Perth and Nick Xenophon's Rebecca Sharkey in Adelaide. Barnaby Joyce has officially listed Vicky Campion as his partner on his register of members' interests. There are reports the government is considering a $400 million a year cut to foreign aid in the budget. Tony Abbott launched Pauline Hanson's new book full of her parliamentary speeches. Pauline Hanson compared herself to Nelson Mandela because they both went to prison. Speaking of Tony Abbott, the Polly Pebble 2018 has been launched this week and you can all Google pictures of Tony Abbott and Lycra in your spare time. Labor MP Anne Ali also launched a book which is not about politics but about her life. There was a big report into Indigenous incarceration that said we need big changes to the criminal justice system to stop locking up a disproportionate number of Indigenous people. Meanwhile, down in Victoria, Labor introduced legislation will be the first step towards a treaty with Indigenous people. Meanwhile, in South Australia, the only Australian Conservative MP in our South Australian Parliament, Dennis Hood, has defected from Cory Bernardi's party to the Liberals, who of course are now in government under Stephen Marshall. Peter Dutton has defended using his ministerial discretion to extend the visa of a detained old pair, that is a nanny. Julie Bishop has given two Russian diplomats who she believes are spies a week to leave Australia, but the Russian ambassador says there's still no evidence Russia was behind the poisonings in the UK. But more sport news. Despite all of this, Australia will not 
be boycotting the FIFA World Cup later this year. And across the ditch, New Zealand says it can't find any Russian spies to expel. Parliament has censured former Liberal MP Bruce Bilson for failing to declare he was being paid by a business lobby group when he was an MP. The cops have been given drone guns for the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast, which kicks off next week. Channel 7 got a copy of a homophobic letter written by Victorian Liberal Opposition Leader Matthew Guy when he was at uni. The government has banned the betting website Lotto Land. The Ecuadorian embassy has cut off Julian Assange's internet after he breached a written agreement not to send out messages that interfered with other countries' business. The Defence Force has admitted that during one of its airstrikes aimed at IS last year, it likely killed two civilian Iraqi adults and injured two children. Question time was interrupted by some refugee protesters this week. Foxtel want to get urgent court injunctions to block Australians from accessing illegal streams of its sporting events. Labor changed its dividend imputation franking credits policy to exclude pensioners. Oh, and Lane, I found some Labor talking points in a women's bathroom apartment house this week. And wasn't that a little bit weird? <laughs> it was pretty weird, Alice. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and that's it. There's no more Parliament for a month and a half. Uh, we've got the we've got the budget coming up in May, and then we've got Parliament back after that, and and another round of Senate estimates. So everyone gets Easter off, Anzac Day off, and a little bit of a breather. On to the the main story this week, Alice. Russian spies. Or, or are they really spies? <laughs> they're here and they're leaving soon. Or have they already gone? <laughs> Who knows, Alice? Who knows? Now, this story has everything. If you're not across it, let's just quickly run through how we got here. On the 4th of March, former Russian spy Sergei Skripal and his daughter Yulia were poisoned with a military-grade nerve agent in Salisbury, England. The UK says Russia is behind the attack and... Interestingly, BuzzFeed News has reported on a number of suspicious deaths that appear to be linked to the Kremlin in the UK and the US over the past few years. So there's obviously been a huge international reaction to the poisoning playing out over the last three weeks. And then this week, we learned that 26 nations will expel Russian diplomats from their countries in response to the attack. The UK had expelled 23 suspected Russian spies the week before. The US has announced it will expel about 60 and there'll be about 30 expelled from the EU. All in all, about 150 diplomats or or really spies, suspected spies, will be expelled. Now, enter Australia. That's right, Lane. On Tuesday, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull and Foreign Minister Julie Bishop announced that we would be participating in this mass expulsion and we'd be kicking out two Russian people. Uh, They said these people, uh, who the Russians claim are diplomats, uh, that Australia has identified them as, quote, undeclared intelligence officers. So spies. That means that means spies, Lane. Um, now these are undeclared intelligence officers, UIOs. Mm, let's mm. call them that. Um, I've been told they have to leave Australia within seven days. Uh, Bishop also said that the government was considering withdrawing from the World Cup, and then she ve- and then after people got <laughs> really mad about it because, as we all know, Australians are overtly <laughs> invested in sport. Alice, even we are not. You very promise good you at wouldn't ball game. talk about or make allusions to cricket. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> so, yes, she said she said very clearly that no, 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 we'll still go to the World Cup, you know, because you've all invested in going to Qatar or whatever. <laughs> and all of this, Alice, led to what can only be described as a simply incredible press conference on Wednesday from the Russian ambassador to Australia, Grigory Logvinov. It was a marathon effort that quickly dissolved into a pantomime, as the very best press conferences do. Now, he opened with a joke about the cricket before diving into his theory that there was no evidence that Russia was behind the poisonings in the UK. The Skripal case attracts even more attention than cricket scandal. 
Well, it's interesting. Okay. What prediction are you making about the relations between the West and Russia going forward? You see, it depends on the West. Uh, we were never the first uh, to trigger the deterioration and tension. Yeah. Uh, you see, all of this anti-Russian campaign, well, we consider as very rude, very primitive and incompetent provocation. Well orchestrated by Britain, but I guess coordinated and agreed with the first of all US. And it's quite clear that the campaign about so-called Russia's interference into well domestic situation in domestic politics in the US was exhausting. Now, did the Russian ambassador say that we might be headed to a Cold War? Yes. <laughs> yes, he did, Alice Workman. But only if America wants it, he said. Ask Trump, ask Washington, ask London, he said, about the about the Cold War. So the ambassador also said that he suspects the poisoning might be a conspiracy by the UK and America and rejected that the poison was Soviet-made. He even said the jury is still out on whether Russia shot down Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 over the Ukraine in 2014 and that killed 24 Australians. He wouldn't say whether Russia would retaliate by expelling Australians from Moscow. That's a decision for Vladimir Putin. And Alice Yulia, the the daughter who who was poisoned with the nerve agent, is a Russian citizen. So why would they poison her anyway? But most importantly, Alice, there are, and this this is very important, there are absolutely 100% no Russian spies in Australia. When people without any argument, uh, without any grounds, called spies. Okay, if I say that we've expelled 23 British spies out of Moscow, would the Brits agree? agree? Can you name those two officers? You see, it's generally universal praxis. The persons expelled are never named. If you can give an example, when any country said that we're expelling the well number of diplomats, these are number one, number two, by name, never. No, but do you have the opportunity now to name? No, I, I would follow the universal practice. Like my favourite quote of the whole press conference was, <laughs> zero minus zero is still zero. It would make an excellent name. Alice, you just can't argue with maths of that calibre. You can't. You can't argue with the maths. You just can't. The math, the math checks yeah. out. It checks out. Although, you know yeah. what? This press conference, mm. I have to say, wouldn't it be nice if an Australian minister or prime minister sat down and answered 40 minutes worth of questions like this? Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice. And, it, you know, it, it would all – and just threw out some pretty wild conspiracy <laughs> theories as well. It would make politics a lot more interesting. Um, so, anyway, Alice, so this, this all went down. And also yesterday, the Australian newspaper had snapped some pictures of people outside the Russian embassy in, um, frankly, some classic Soviet looks. <laughs> like, you know, we've got these paparazzi-style shots of people at the Russian embassy. But the Russian they ambassador... Russian. Lane, they looked Russian. They're the most Russian-looking people I've ever seen. Okay. They okay. look like extras out of that Jennifer Lawrence movie that's just out at the moment that's about Russian spies. Oh, the red one. Yeah. Yeah. Pop culture reference. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the film, but I know that the poster is red. Um, anyway, so the Russian ambassador in this press conference described the, the people as looking spyish. 
That is that is actually the word he used. It's a technical term, is it? Yeah, the technical Spy-ish. term for people who look like spies <laughs> or, or just people kind of loitering outside the Russian embassy. Spyish. So he said the three women snapped were not spies, but an accountant, the wife of the cook, and then somebody else who he couldn't remember. So <laughs> potentially a spy. Um, and the men <laughs> photographed are not spies, also not spies, but technicians spies. and a driver. Now, after this incredibly salty press conference, Julie Bishop called the Russian ambassador into her office in Parliament House for a Tony Abbott-style shirt fronting (laughs) with cameras present. And here's what she said to him. We did not take this step lightly, but we share the deep concerns, indeed the outrage, that a chemical nerve agent could be deployed in any circumstance. Mr Ambassador, we seek a credible explanation from Russia as to how its nerve agent could have been deployed in these circumstances. Now, Julie Bishop is known for her withering stare Mm, and she mm. really did stare him down. (laughs) The whole thing was just, and Labor have said that it was embarrassing. It was just a really embarrassing thing for her to sit him down and say this and that they think that the whole thing has just become a farce and we need to calm down. No well, cold wars here, please. No cold wars. Okay. Well, Alice, now, while all of this is going on in Australia and, and all of these countries around the world are lining up with the UK to try and um, punish Russia for the the act that they're alleged to have perpetrated, across the ditch, New Zealand said that it's not going to be expelling any spies because they don't have any. <laughs> so <laughs> Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, friend of the podcast, has said <laughs> while... <laughs> Okay. I'm 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 do, giving her that do, title. Do you regularly talk to her about the podcast? Is that something? That's well, she's appeared on the podcast, and we yes. talk about her on the podcast, so I feel like she qualifies as a friend of the podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway. Jacinda Ardern said, while other countries have announced they are expelling undeclared Russian intelligence agents, officials have advised that there are no individuals here in New Zealand who fit this profile. If there were, we would have already taken action. (laughs) So there you have it. Russian spies, there's none in New Zealand. But Alice, isn't that what they want you to think? (laughs) Exactly. Aren't they just doing a really good job in New Zealand and no one knows they're there? Yeah. Yeah, well, and can I just say, Alice, that this is all extremely convenient timing for the release of the sixth and final season of one of my favourite TV shows. Now, I know we've spoken a lot on this podcast about my knowledge of pop culture, but this show called The Americans, which is very good. It's about Russian spies under deep, deep cover in the USA. And a lot of the show is about spies who work at the embassy or or kind of interacting with the embassies in different countries. Um, Of course, it's all fictional. But if anyone's particularly enjoying the, the Russian news and the, and the Cold War vibe at the moment, I recommend it. Uh, is is <laughs> so, that Felicity? Is that the show with Felicity? Yes, it is the show with Felicity, um, with um, mm. Kerry Russell. Felicity. Yeah, yeah. she's great. <laughs> I like Big Wama. I like Big Wama. I like Big What else happened this week, Alice? Well, this is a bit of a bin juice uh, topic. Um, While everyone was focused on, 
you know, sports that shall not be named and um, company tax cuts and uh, Russian spies. Uh, one actual piece of policy, believe it or not, land was passed this week. Uh, the government's welfare reform bill passed the Senate and it contains 27 measures that uh, will most likely have an adverse effect on the lives of uh, unemployed Australians and other people that are on welfare. And um, I thought I'd really quickly run through uh, some of the changes that have been made. Yep. So uh, seven payments are going to be rolled into one job seeker payment. And the government says that more than 99% of people will have no change to their payment rates, but it's estimated that uh, payments will be cut off for around 80,000 people. Now, uh, one of the biggest changes is that uh, students and unemployed people will no longer be back paid to the day that they lodge their claim. So normally if you um, if you say lodge a claim on the 1st of April and it takes them a couple of weeks to process it, once it's processed, you'll be paid back from the 1st of April when you first lodge the claim. Mm. That is no longer the case, which means the longer that Centrelink take to process payments and if they dispute whether or not you're eligible for a payment, um, then, then, then you're going to go without money for that time until they actually approve you and process the payment in in, in completion. Um, and they're also scrapping. There used to be a protection for certain types of people who couldn't complete the forms or lodge their claims on time because they are in hospital or they were homeless or they're escaping domestic violence or they were victims of natural disasters or you know the fires that have recently happened. There used to be a protection inbuilt for those people. Um, that they uh would be able to still get their payments, but they're scrapping those protections now too. So uh, it leaves a lot of people uh, really vulnerable um, with these changes. Now, from the 1st of April, welfare recipients will no longer to be exempt from mutual obligation requirements. So that means uh, going into Centrelink, uh, having interviews, applying for jobs, job interviews, you know, being put up for work for the doll. They will no longer be exempt from those things if they are drug or alcohol dependent or they have drug or alcohol abuse. And from the 1st of July, they won't be able to use drug or alcohol dependency as a reasonable excuse uh, to avoid um, any of those mutual obligations unless they agree to get treatment for their problems. Um, mm. Now, also from the 1st of July, there's a new demerit point system which will be introduced. Now, this was one that was flagged during the budget uh, and it's kind of similar to how driver's license demerits work, but the penalties are much harsher. Um, so in the current system, uh, more than 90% of cases Job seekers who decline work or miss face-to-face -face consultations um, don't have any consequences because the government says the penalties can be too easily waived. So under this new system, there's two phases. There's a demerits points personal responsibility phase and then there's a three strikes intensive compliance phase. The government says it's to try and crack down on people they claim are flouting the system. Now, in the first phase, uh, job seekers will accrue demerit points for any mutual obligation failures they make. So if they fail to turn up to Centrelink or they fail to apply for jobs or go to job interviews. Um, and then once they've gotten five demerit points over six months, they'll be assessed to determine whether they need extra support as they enter the intensive compliance phase. And then basically they can be cut off welfare. Uh, if they accrue um, any of the, if they accrue a certain amount of demerit points, so it's a really, right. um, it's a really harsh crackdown, mm. and I think that it'll be, it'll take a while before we see the full effects of it. So probably six to eight months. So in October to December, I think we'll be seeing the first effects of of this crackdown. Yep. Um, 
and uh, we'll we'll check back in there. But I, it's something really to keep an eye on. And you know, if you if anyone out there has an experience with Centrelink, let us know because we're really not sure how this is going to play out because it hasn't been done before. Yeah. Um, uh, Labor has kind of called these reforms death by a thousand cuts and they flagged that if they win government, they will uh, maybe reverse some of the changes. Labor's main concern is still that Centrelink is really under-resourced and underfunded and that they always point to the fact that, uh, you know, in the last year there were 55 million unanswered calls and it takes sometimes seven to nine months for an age pension to be processed. Now, the drug testing trial lane that we've talked about before uh, yep. is not included in this bill. So they've uh, they ripped that bit out so they could pass this bill because mm-hmm. you know people were were found the the drug testing a bit controversial uh the drug testing uh the government has flagged that they're going to reintroduce it they reintroduce it in the lower house and they're going to bring it to the senate they think they might have the numbers to pass it but we'll wait and see when that happens in a couple of months um but the debate about welfare in parliament this week has been pretty interesting because last week the dole was increased by 50 cents to 273 dollars a week now right Tim Storer, who's mm-hmm. the new South Australian senator who was Nick Xenophon and now has, is an independent, he's the guy that torpedoed the company tax cuts this week. And um, he has only given one speech in parliament. Uh, he gave a – it was only a three-minute speech that he gave on Wednesday, which was just flagging that he wasn't going to support company tax cuts. And yep. one of the reasons that he gave was because of fairness in the welfare system. And he said that boosting New Start is his top priority. So this will be really interesting as the government tries to kind of horse trade to get his vote on, you know, if they bring back company tax cuts and other things as well. Um, so this is what he said. He said, New Start has shrunk against average wages, medium wages, and the minimum wage and the pension because the other payments are kind of tied um, to indexation. So they increase incrementally. Whereas New Start, like the real New Start amount hasn't actually increased in like 20 years. Um, in terms of cost of living, yeah, uh, and so and so he said that um, the government's standard response to any argument that the benefit was currently too low is to point out that New Start recipients often receive other forms of government payments. But he said even when that is taken into account, people were falling ninety six dollars short of the absolute minimum required to cover the basic cost of living. And you can just look to Sydney for that. If you're yeah. getting two hundred and seventy three dollars a week, um, and you have to pay rent in Sydney. Uh, that leaves you very, very little money for for food at yeah. the end of the day after you have to pay rent. And I know that it's a big issue for students as well at the moment. So you know, let's uh, let's put a watch this space on uh, welfare uh, negotiations mm. because so that that fifty like, cent increase is not solving the problem. <laughs> Shock horror. I mean, I don't drink coffee, but everyone uses it as a measure. What is that like a an eighth of a cup of coffee? How much does coffee cost these days? Yeah, coffee four, four bucks between three dollars fifty and four dollars fifty. Stupidly oh, expensive, yeah. So yeah, no, the fifty cents does not does not cover a <laughs> cup of coffee. Well, I probably wouldn't even buy you one red frog at a canteen. <laughs> one red frog. Yeah. Oh, what's the what's the going cents. rate of red frogs these days? Um, anyway, only fifty cents. That's the ble- that's the bleak world we For live one in. One frog. If you've bought a red frog recently, please at yeah, Alice know. and I and or let us know. Or a green but, frog. We don't discriminate, even but, though they're grosser. Yes, but more importantly, do let us know if these changes to uh, the if these welfare changes are going to affect you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Lane, a really really quick cash money update. Mm-hmm. Um, now, remember that we need a sting awkward- for the Michaelia cash oh, you know update, like we had for that. the survey. <laughs> yeah, I'll make a terrible sting. It's now time for another Michaelia Cash Update. 
Now, Lane, remember that awkward incident uh, with Michaelia Cash uh, at the start of the month? It was the 1st of March. Alice, how could I forget? That image <laughs> is burned into my brain of Michaelia Cash hidden behind the whiteboard. Yes, what about okay. it? Okay, well, we finally have some answers about exactly what happened to result in that whiteboard being there. Incredible. Shielding her from the media. Mm-hmm. In answers to questions on notice, Senate President Scott Ryan has blamed it all on security guards. He said a PSS, which is a parliamentary security staff team leader, reported that members of the media were in breach of the rules of media-related activity in Parliament House. Um, The guard complained to the deputy usher of the Black Rod about the media filming in the corridor outside estimates, then decided to take action. A PSS, Parliamentary Security Staff, team leader, made the decision to position the whiteboard across the corridor to obstruct media from filming towards the committee rooms as the minister approached. The decision was made at 1.45pm. Um, anyway, so like basically they, they claim that the media were filming in a prohibited area outside the committee room. Um and the, so then the security guards took action and they wheeled the whiteboard out. And then Minister Cash's office apparently did not complain about the media earlier in the day and did not ask for the whiteboard to be rolled out. But they did complain about the media after the whiteboard incident, mm. which is, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but, but then DPS said that they have received no formal complaints about the incident overall, although they did note that the media at the time, were yelling out at the minister, you know, what have you got to hide? Why are you hiding behind a whiteboard? Which, you know, I think why are you hiding, why are you hiding behind a whiteboard is a reasonable question when someone is, yeah. in fact, hiding behind a whiteboard. I mean, yeah. <laughs> what else are you meant to ask at that well, bizarre point exactly. in time? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Scott Ryan, he answered a bunch of the questions about the incident. Yeah. Kelly Cash's office has still not answered a bunch of questions that have been put to her about the incident. Yeah. So they could be coming back soon. Um, okay. But, you know, in the, in the kind of related Cash update, remember when uh, Channel 9 got in trouble for showing a shot of uh, the minister's phone? On the the news, yes, they 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 the camera um, filmed her iPhone where she was having a message exchange with her staffers where they were planning how she would get out of the room. Yep, a close um, up of the, her DMs, aka close, all was, of our they, worst yeah, nightmare. <laughs> they zoomed into those DMs. Yeah, um, it is it is my worst nightmare. I can't <laughs> imagine that. Um, anyway, and so. Uh, Channel Nine uh, political editor Chris Yulman mm-hmm. uh, was uh, banned for a week from the building because of that. Uh, That was this week. And uh, he literally wasn't allowed in the building and he was doing crosses from out the front. Um, And it was uh, was pretty... Is it like a case of Chris Yorman's face with security? Do not let (laughs) this man in the the door. (laughs) This man may not enter the building. Australian politics. Yay! Oh, dear. Oh, Chris Yorman. Okay, well, I think that's all we've um, we've got time for this week. Hmm. I think so too. I think that we're going to get in trouble from our English boss for all of the cricket, for our, oh. our disdain about the cricket. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> Although he's he's had a, a great week. After after okay. the loss at the Ashes, he's now kind of, you know, the Australians have disgraced themselves. Oh, Do you know dear. what I also didn't realise until at least four days into this stupid story? Mm. They, yeah, didn't even wi- they didn't even win the game they cheated at. No, no, they didn't. How, how pathetic is that? <laughs> If you're going to cheat, at least win. They're shithouse <laughs> no, cheaters. Do not cheat. They're shithouse no, cheaters. Well, they are, yes. you know, they're shithouse cheaters, A, because they yes. didn't win, and B, because it was just so obvious. I mean, yeah. the footage don't is a- wild. 
Don't yeah. at me with your sob stories about how your children are so upset. Tell them not to idolise sports stars and idolise real people. <laughs> All right, that's enough hot okay. takes from you, Alice Workman. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that we shouldn't idealise athletes who are obviously immature and... You know, whatever. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about it. I want to say a big thank you to the pod team, Nicola Harvey, Richard James, and Marnie Cordell. A big thank you to Road Microphones for supporting the podcast. You can go to buzzfeed.com slash is it on or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and leave a rating and review. I am at Workman Alice on Twitter. She is at Lane Sainty. I am at Lane Sainty. And Alice, can I just say, a lot of people got in my mentions and berated me <laughs> about not knowing who Steve Martin is. Lane, I am so glad you brought this up. I, I had a Labour politician confront yeah. me the other night <gasps> saying, I can't believe that Lane Sainty does not know who Steve <laughs> Martin is. And then I said, you won't believe it, mate, but she actually also doesn't know who Bill Murray is. And he was on oh, the floor. That's not true. I'm familiar with the name Bill Murray. Do I see Groundhog Day? No. Ghostbusters? Look, they, they all... I know of these films. I don't. I I don't recall if I've seen them or not. But right, Alice, guys. she's watching. Is... She's watching the Russians, and she's watching the Good Wife, which is more important in my yeah. Life, so. Yeah. Anyway, this is this is not why I brought this up. I did not bring this up for an opportunity for you to sledge me. <laughs> I wanted to give a shout out to Alex, who is a podcast listener and who came up to me at a housewarming party on Saturday and just said, completely unprompted, we hadn't met each other or chatted yet. She just came up and said, "I just want to say." I don't know who Steve Martin is either. So thank you very much, Alex. You made my night and it's not just me. Uh, but moving on from this topic, hopefully for the rest of my life. Uh, no, I'm going to keep bringing it up. Don't I worry. have to ask you, as I do every week, is it on? It is Easter. Uh, and just like Jesus, <laughs> it sounds like Tony Abbott oh, no. is going to try and come back from the dead. At Pauline Hansen's book launch, he said that uh, she is proof you are always better the second time around. Wink, wink. Mm, um, okay. And, uh, you know, PVO, Peter Van Onselen, yep. uh said on the radio this week that he interpreted that as, you know, maybe Tony is making a play to come back as opposition leader if Malcolm loses the next election. Because mm. he was actually, opposition leader was the job that he was suited for because he's an attack dog. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, in terms of long-term planning, I don't know how that works out again, for him to be opposition leader, then maybe win an election and then get dumped again after a year. <laughs> I don't know. It seems a bit... I don't know if you could be opposition leader but then run on a platform of if we get elected, this guy will be PM. I don't know if that's how it works. Look, it's an interesting strategy <laughs> from Tony and, you know, good on him for having a go. Yeah, right? good, good on him for, for potentially aspiring to be a kind of professional opposition leader <laughs> but not, <laughs> not the natural progression of that role. <laughs> I've tweeted out some pictures from that book launch and along with uh, the polypedal uh pictures that it's just been a it's just been a the, the photographers have been having a riot with tony this week that's just a series of very fascinating photos um now before we go lane i want to leave everyone with um a public service announcement i think everyone appreciated my correcting the pronunciation of batman last mm -hmm. week so yep. i'm going to leave yep. everyone with another pronunciation guide now uh Lane, the Kenyan-born uh, former family first senator who was defected to the liberals how would you pronounce her name um, I would say Lucy Gachui. And that is how I think the media have been saying it for the last year. Mm. And I've noticed lately that um, South Australian politicians, so uh, Christopher Pine and Simon Birmingham, have been pronouncing it in a different way. Uh, right. And so I thought that I'd 
I'd check with her office to make sure that everyone was pronouncing it properly. Um, and it turns out that phonetically you say it gashuhi. Gashuhi. Okay. Yeah, gashuhi. Not gachui. Not gashuhi. Gashuhi. Hi, I'm Lucy Gashuhi. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, Don't guys. Don't too much chocolate or maybe eat as much chocolate as you want. It's your life. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.